Football Fridays are presented by Stonehaven Dental at Stonehaven Dental. They say yes, yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and flexible appointments. Yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. A lot of people weighing in, PK, on the question of the day. How could you possibly play 400 bucks? That is not the question of the day. <laughs> I did get this. Uh, from one of our former bosses. Uh, tell PK I will pay for his ticket to Wicked. <laughs> Donate it to charity and then try to get your money back. <laughs> oh, uh, Jill says, I wanted to see Hamilton when I was in Seattle. Tickets there were up to like $2,000. Oh, come on. And then the emoji with the eyebrows and the big eyes, like $2,000. Who would pay that? Uh, rich people in Seattle. To go right? see singing and dancing. Well, well I don't know. Talking that's, about rich people. I, don't know I they, get that. I don't know if they uh, actually sold for that or that's just what they were asking. You know, life is a negotiation when you go on those websites. I'm talking about the common Joe like me. The common Joe isn't paying Son 400 bucks. Son of a bucks. janitor. The common Joe isn't paying 400 bucks to do anything. The common Joe isn't sitting courtside at NBA games. Those tickets are well past 400 bucks. All right, DJ and PK, it is time to bring in our college football insider, Riley Jensen. He is on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Riley, good morning. What's up, fellas? Question of the day. Has the BYU program arrived under Kalani Sataki? Ooh, that would be a dangerous thing for anybody to say about any part of their life, right? Like, say, saying saying I'm arrived, uh, that I've arrived as an athlete, that's like when everything starts slipping out of your hands. Now, do do I think they're moving in the right direction? Yes. Do I feel like... That was a big win for the program and for Kalani Sataki. Yes. Do I feel like this can build confidence moving into other big games for BYU? No question about it. But if you if you think that you've arrived, who that that's that's just a scary thought, right? There's always something to improve. There's always something to tweak. There's always something to grow and to learn from. Of course, with the exception me being me, who's a completely and totally arrived as a sports talk show host. But other than that, you know, I can see where you're going. But at the same time, why? why well, you, not everybody's not everybody's elite, Patrick. Right, back to that. That was, that was a phrase, you know, the word we used a couple weeks ago or something, right? What was it, it was. It was. We beat that into I the don't ground. I remember why, but now that he says that, I remember that we did do that. Well, right, right. Okay, but is this program now capable of winning eight, nine, ten games and be within reason of thinking, all right, that's going to happen, and in a down season be six and six, seven and five. We'll give you that the occasionally. I mean, the Utes had that a few years back when Huntley was a sophomore, uh, and I think he got hurt that season or something, and so they went seven and five, if I remember. But yet, then they follow it up with a couple of South uh, first place and go to the, the title game. And so we've established Utah. In a sense, we think they've at least arrived. To, you know, there's the levels of, of arrivement, and their arrivement is <laughs> – quit looking at me that way. Their arrivement is you know, they're going to win eight, nine games virtually every year. Do you think BYU's at that point? 
Well, I certainly think with with the schedule that they have right now, like my thought process is is way different compared to when the season started, right? Like you're looking at Arizona State game, you know, you're looking at the BYU game and you're and you're like excuse me, at the Utah game and you're just like, Wow, I don't know I don't I don't I don't know where all these wins are gonna come from that everybody's talking about, but you you win against the University of Utah, you win against Arizona. If you go and win this weekend against Arizona State, all of a sudden, what game do they play in where you don't feel like that they have a chance to win or to be a favorite? And I think to answer your question in a long way there, teams that win not eight, nine games a year with a good season with 10 win or 11 win seasons, they're in every game and you don't feel like you're out of any game that you play in. And so that becomes exciting for for a BYU fan perspective and from I guess the arrival since we're using that word or the arrivement as you would say <laughs> just, <laughs> like really really um, you're in every game and so this this is where it gets hard emotionally for BYU fans right is is where now the expectations start to rise a little bit, that every game that you play in, you, you think you could win, and it comes down to four or five plays in every game, and whether you execute on those four or five plays, and you don't know which four or five plays those are going to be, and then if you lose, you just feel terrible because you're like, oh my gosh, it came down to like three plays, and we weren't ready for those three plays. Whereas before it was like, well, we were outmatched, you know, we played out of our head, a couple of plays didn't fall our way. When the expectations get a little bit higher, it becomes a little bit more difficult. But that also means that you have a lot better program and a lot better team. And right now, I, I mean, look, to lose Zach Wilson, start out the season 2-0 and with a win over your rival, uh, things are going in the right direction for BYU. There's no question. Well, I like what you said about arrived because I totally buy that. When you think you've arrived in anything, that's when you're in trouble. And... If you want to put arrived at, can they average eight or nine wins? Yeah, I think they can do that. That's no longer crazy talk. That's right in front of them. You got to go do it, and they haven't. But if you had to bet, I actually think it comes down to two choices: is it more likely that the roller coaster continues, or is it more likely that they are averaging eight or nine wins, and people come calling for Kalani at schools that look at eight or nine wins and think that'd be awesome? Which is how Virginia looked at Bronco. That would be awesome, and they came and got him. Double and triple the money, right? I think the more likely right. scenario for BYU is that Kalani wins and people come calling. Either way, it'll be a problem for BYU, but I think that's the way it's more likely to break. You agree? Oh, I, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Kalani's name's up for USC. I mean, I, look, mm-hmm. the, you have to look at what Kalani's done in an independent era with the recruiting that he's done, with the ability that. And, and there are some limitations to BYU. I think they're a little bit overplayed, but there are some. I think you have to recognize that there's some limitations. But it would not surprise me at all if big schools come and knock on Kalani's door, and then it's going to be up to Kalani to decide what he wants to do. Is he going to is he going to go the Lavelle Edwards route and and have lots of offers all the time and just say, look, this is where I love to be, this is what I like to do, or is it to make a choice to to have transformational money for his family? and take care of generations to come because he can go to a USC or he can go to a, a, a different program. And those are, 
those are decisions that Kalani will have to make. I think it would have to be a really good job for Kalani to leave. But I also think, I mean, you just got to give, you got to give a lot of credit to him. I mean, these players love to play for him. They play hard. People in the program are, are playing hard right now, and I think he's recruited very well. And I also think he's allowed some of his coaches to coach. I think if you, if you look at the game on Saturday, I mean, Aaron Roderick and his play calling, they basically out-Utahed Utah. And, and uh, on offense, they didn't turn the ball over. They were highly efficient on offense. They kept with the running game, and they kept running and kept running until, until Utah broke. And there's very few teams that I can think of over the last 10 years in the Kyle Whittingham era that have been able to break Utah down to where they've been able to keep running the ball and keep running the ball and keep running the ball. And then, you know, in the trenches on the offensive line and the defensive line, I mean, they looked like a University of Utah team. They just kept coming in waves. The offensive line was was big and heavy, and they were laying on you. And it was just interesting to see them out Utah, Utah. That, that was the exact game plan that Kyle has used for years to win that was used against Utah to beat them. You probably have noticed this too, but one thing that I've been able to see in through conversations is the amount of allegiance and loyalty that his assistants have to him is as good or better than any staff I've ever known. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I don't, I don't think Kalani is the type of guy that is constantly in people's ears and constantly saying, dude, why did you do that? It's just not even really his personality type. Now, look, just because a coach is that way doesn't mean that that's a bad thing because, you know, the way I look at it, these, these guys are all running a ship, right? And, and if Kalani's going to run the ship the way he wants to, then Kyle can run the ship the way he wants to. And if the ship goes down, you want it to be because of your choices. But the way Kalani chooses to run it and the way Kalani decides, has decided to treat his assistant coaches is to allow them to be themselves, to allow them to put their own little signature on what they're doing, and then really let them run with it. And look, if there's problems, I'm sure that there's conversations, but I don't think those conversations are taking place in the middle of a game. And so for me... You know, if you're if you're Aaron Roderick, you really like to coach for Kalani because there's nobody chirping in your ear, throwing you out of your rhythm as you're calling plays. And I don't care who talks about it or, or how it's talked about, but to be an offensive coordinator, there's a rhythm that takes place. And when people and when people are chirping in your ear, when there's distractions going on, and you're not able to be in that rhythm, it's really difficult to call a game the way you want to play it. And I've just, I've really liked the way Aaron Roderick has called plays the last two years. And look, I know, I know we're probably going to give John Beck credit again for, you know, for Jaron Hall's performance. But after a while, you're going to have to start saying, God, who's the offensive coordinator that's putting these quarterbacks in situations in practice and then allowing them to, like, play to the best of their ability in the games? Who's the coach that's actually preparing them during the week so they can play really well on Saturdays? And, and right now, to me, you, you've got to tip your hat to Aaron Roderick in the way that they're playing offensive football. And, and look, it's not complicated, but there are some nice little wrinkles. I, I loved the touchdown play call to uh, Samson Nakua where you drop back for a minute 
and then it's a controlled rollout to the left, and they throw a little out pattern to Samson McHugh. I mean, that was that was a nice wrinkle on the goal line, and you don't come up with that play unless you saw something on the goal line that indicated that you could run a play like that. And that was that was ingenuitive. That was that was creative. That was imaginative, in my opinion. Ingenuitive. Uh, I think it was ingenuitive. Yeah. Listen, listen. You know. Not, it, not everybody has come to the level of arrivement. That, that <laughs> <has been innocent>. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, the only thing I'll, I'll disagree with you on is I can't believe Kalani would be up for the USC job right now because jobs like that, they don't want to hear that you are arriving and it's a sports talk radio discussion. They want to see it on paper, in black and white, on the scoreboard. Yeah, th- this coach has won 30 games in three years. Or Yeah, and Pete Carroll was their fourth choice. Right. So NFL fair, guy. Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't think USC is always getting the guy that they want. But That's true. to me, when I think about the USC job, I do think that one of the one of the boxes that Kalani checks is an ability to connect with people and with boosters and with media. That maybe that's that was the weakness of Clay Helton. Because by all accounts, Clay Helton's a super nice guy, right? Yeah. But maybe just not as charismatic and maybe just not as um, pleasing to the boosters and to the crowds and to to what the USC, I don't know, whatever their whatever they want it to look like at their program. That's that's something that I could see Kalani fitting into. Now you're right. I mean, they're going to go after some other people first, but who's to say that they don't circle around and go, "Cow, here's a guy who's winning games with an independent schedule." who's been recruiting and, and recruiting well to BYU, what could he do recruiting to USC? What could he do for our fan base to get us excited? I think he checks a lot of boxes. And so I, I'm not saying that – I'm not trying to stir the pot. I'm not trying to get BYU fan, like, up, upset or up in arms. But I do think that there are going to be opportunities for Kalani that maybe other coaches in the past didn't have because – Let's let's be honest. He has he has a likable personality, and in in this day and age, it's important that you hire people that you like to be around. And so these ads sometimes they they want to they want to be around people that they like to talk to. It's only one game, and I don't want to go crazy. But and his offensive line was not very good. But I'm talking about Brewer, and I thought, man, if he's got time, he's going to pick you apart. But when the play breaks down. In the one game, I didn't see much. Now, I can't go crazy on one game, particularly when it's up to the guys up front to provide him time. But I'm wondering, what do you think about him when the pocket breaks down? Yeah, I, well, first of all, in, in fairness to Charlie Brewer, no quarterback's very good when the pocket breaks down. <laughs> I, mean, there's, I mean, you look at Tom Brady. I mean, that's been the thing that everybody tries to say in the NFL. They're like, oh, he's not very good when the pocket breaks down. Well, then don't let the pocket break down and watch him take you to the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Um, everybody's passing percentage goes down. Every, I think Charlie, uh, Charlie has some really good skills, and I really like his eyes, and I really like the way that he plays when, when he's in a rhythm. I felt like BYU kept him out of rhythm all night, and I think, you know, he he airmailed the last fourth down throw, but I think that's because he was starting to – I think he was starting to see ghosts. I think he was starting to feel a little bit of the pressure of, man, I have to make all these plays on my own. Now, will the offensive line for Utah get better? No question about it. 
Will Charlie Brewer get better? I think he will. I do think, and, and I think that I would have liked to have seen a little bit more toughness or a little bit more urgency to make some plays when things were breaking down a little bit. But so there's something, there's something that I'm feeling that this is the same as you, Patrick, because you bring up this question is like was. Okay, was that all offensive line, or was there something there that was missing in the in the toughness of like finishing this play and like really trying to make a play? And look, I played quarterback for a team. I got sacked ten times in one game at Washington, and um, I'm going to be defensive for quarterbacks for a minute. But I also felt like that that part of those sacks were on me sometimes, right? Like. Part of it was like I need to be tougher. I need to figure out how to get out of this jam, or I need to learn how to throw the ball away before that, for those guys get to me. And and I got better as as the season progressed. But it's not easy when you're feeling pressure. And uh, look, quarterbacks are really good when it's seven on seven. The ones that that kind of separate themselves from everybody else are guys that can make those plays when everything isn't perfect. And I think that's why. You know, if we want to flip the script a little bit, I think that's why I'm impressed with Jaron Hall, right? Like, he could have been jumpy. He could have been antsy. He could have ran all over the field and tried to make plays with his feet all night. But he stayed in the pocket when he was supposed to, and he used his feet when he was supposed to. And I thought I thought he played a masterful game on Saturday. And I think because of his maturity and because of the things that he's doing, I, I, I can see BYU winning a lot of games this year. Well, Riley, there is a lot more to talk to you about, but we're going to have to leave it right there for now. We'll talk to you again next week. Are you picking BYU to win? I am. I'm, I'm picking all in-state schools to win this week. Ooh, I, there I, it is. I, Your Aggies are big I, underdogs at Air Force. I know. Okay. I know. But there's a, different, there's a different enthusiasm, and I think this Rice kid at Utah State, this, this middle linebacker, is a great quarterback for that defense. He's got guys in the right spots. And, and playing fast, at least. And so I know it's a crazy matchup, but I think this offense can actually outscore Air Force. The Aggies going 3-0. and Who do you like to be the coach at the Utah State next year after Blake Anderson leaves? <laughs> what? Really? Really? That, that's <laughs> So quick to put Kalani on a, another job, Nobody but Blake Anderson, State no, he's a lifer in Logan. Come on! <laughs> Nobody's reached that level of arrivement yet at USU. Stop it. Thank you, Riley. Love you guys, man. Thank you. Ryan Abraham, USCfootball.com. Can the Trojans hold it together with an interim coach? They still got to play the Utes and the Cougars. And who's at the top of the list on the coaching search? We'll talk with Ryan coming up. Interim coach who played in our backyard. DJ and PK, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.